Well, Brandon, do you have a Blue Sky account yet? Not yet. I'm trying to get one. I've requested it, but I've I've not been on. How, how is it going over in the Blue Sky uh, world? I I have one thanks to uh, uh, you know Ashley over there at Microsoft who who worked on my team for I think uh, about 13 minutes uh, oh, at nice. some point. That's nice. I forget it a few years ago, and uh, I I've been puttering around with it. I did get one invite, and you know as is tradition. The first time I get an invite to any sort of internet or social media thing, I immediately give it to our old friend Charles. Okay. Uh, like he, you know, I think I invited him to Twitter and other stuff. And so far, I don't think he has actually used it yet. So I bugged him this morning. I was like, hey, have you used this invite? But, but we'll see. Uh, but I've been using it. And, you know, I have, I have two things to say uh, about, about Blue Sky. I think basically all of the takes you've probably heard are true. I think that's okay. the main takeaway. Good. It's just basically like, uh, oh look, this is Twitter. Like that's uh, that's pretty much it. So I've heard, but There's... it's like it's very similar to Twitter. It is kind of a fun, positive experience because it's a smaller community. So it's kind of a throwback uh-huh. to the beginnings right. of Twitter. Everyone anticipates that will end though once like everybody else. I guess like when I show up with everybody else. Um, and then, well, let me ask you this though: It's like, are, where are we on Mastodon? Because that account we do have as well. Or is that? Is Mastodon yeah. just kind of like fading away? Is that just going to be like a niche, like you know, open source, I, I, real technical community? Like what's going on there? I, I think I, I don't, I can't, I'm no, uh, I'm no clouded judgment guy. So I don't know how to do forward caggers mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, but like, I think, uh, I think it's where it always has been. Like, there, I don't think there's any change to Mastodon, right? Like I, I haven't really noticed any difference or whatever. Like uh, I think Mastodon is fine. Like I, you know, uh, let me speak personally about it. My my issue with Mastodon is that uh, I don't get enough attention in it. So <laughs> that's pretty much it. Like and <laughs> and however, my tip on Mastodon is that if you use the Ivory client, yep. I was puttering around and I, I found that, yeah. out mm-hmm. I found out that you can do a filter that's links only, and I find that incredibly ah. Uh, so it's like a nuzzle kind of thing. Then you're just you can just see what's going on. Okay. Exactly. And mm-hmm. and it's great because that's kind of like what I want. Like my my, you know, maybe if I didn't have uh, three kids. Well, that's it. If I didn't have three kids and everything that comes with that, it would be more like the Twitter 2006 to 2010 era where it's like I actually read all the stuff or I scroll mm-hmm. through it. Right. And I have I have both the time to read and enjoy, but also like the. And I don't mean this in the in the 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 you know the the post twenty eighteen or whatever Twitter way the toxic way, but I also have like the emotional uh, what word am I looking for like like bounceability you know the emotional just kind of buoyancy to just deal with people like talking about their lives and their sandwiches and their cats <laughs> in Twitter right like right. like. Right, you know, you want to filter I, that out. I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like even in Blue Sky, like I almost wrote a joke, and then I realized like th- this era of making jokes is very 2008 Twitter. Like you can't do mm-hmm. this anymore. I was like, oh, what you know, Blue Sky does. They have these nice filters where it's basically very explicitly filter out these things right. that you can select, which is that's that's a good idea. But I I wanted to say like, oh, they need to add a filter for cats. Like I'm <laughs> I'm fucking sick of seeing cats. I don't have time for this. Right, like. And so, like, that's kind of where I am on, like, Twitter and Mastodon and stuff is just, like, you know, I got no problem with people talking about their cats or their whatever. Right, but it's right. just, like, 
I don't I don't have time for that. Yeah, or, I don't I don't make yeah. time for that. Yeah, right. Yeah, like yeah. I, I, I anyway. So that's all, that's and, what and TikTok that's, is for. You know, what's going on, man? I don't want to see cats on Twitter. Yeah. Leave it to TikTok. And so, no, your your analysis of Blue Sky is spot on. It's basically Twitter 2008 uh, on on a, uh, you know, like I think a month ago, it was Twitter 2006 and 2007. And now uh, because time moves faster, it's advanced to 2009. We're going to be entering the 2011 period. At, at some point mm-hmm. uh, as more and more people come in, but there was a very distinct. And again, as with all these things, this is just based on people I followed and what I was reading, who knows what was happening elsewhere, but there was this very distinct phase before two weeks ago uh, <laughs> where it was basically all of the, let's call them the, the, the California minded tech People. Yeah, so it's the California venture capitalist, right? You know, which which again, mind, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. which again, very Twitter South by Southwest two thousand seven. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, all all, and whether they literally live in California or not, it's more just right, the right. California. It's just, tech yeah, mindset. it's the vibe, right? Yeah, right. And so it was all those people talking about all those things, and of course, this is the other thing I want. You can filter out in Ivory, which is nice. Like I have filters in Ivory that say I don't want to see anything that uses the word Mastodon or Twitter. Yeah, because I don't, I don't want to, yeah, I don't, don't want the talk. meta conversation. You're like, I'm here, right, to, right. I want the content, which you, right? Which you can't do in Blue Sky, which of course that's what people talk about all the time, right? And it's just well, like, but yeah. I think the whole thing is like the Mastodon tw- uh, Blue Sky thing is fascinating because the media, in the sense of like those organizations, like really taking to it, would be one way to really accelerate the growth of it, right? So pick any of the yeah. major news sites. And uh, but mostly the media is writing about the demise of it's weird because the media here is an important is like almost like in a maybe not the most important, but like a, a very important actor. Like if the broad based media adopted any one of these things, they would help lead the migration or the adoption sure. of it. But there's sort of they almost I think the media almost views itself more like, well, we're just calling balls and strikes. You know, we're just out here making it. uh uh, uh, work, working out, but it's like, no, if you actually went to Mastodon or to any of these and you posted a lot of interesting comment, uh, and also too, like some of the media criticisms about like verification and things like that, because of the distributed nature of blue sky and Mastodon kind of go away. Right. Cause they can run their own server. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can say like, this is the, uh, whatever big newspaper company server, everyone that's on the server, you know, they're validated because they have an account and it's like, but it's weird. I think they're stuck. It's, it's a very unusual, um, I think it's almost one of these things like the media is sort of like, if you will, almost like scared to get involved as like a user, right? They're just like, Hey, we're yeah. just, we just want to talk about it. It's like, no, you could change it. Like if, well, if, I, I think, I, um, I think it's probably, ahead. it's probably similar to me. It's just like, I, I need attention, right? Like it's, it's, if, if you are a published, someone who publishes stuff, like you not only go into uh, some social channel like this to read things or talk with people, but it's because you want to like drive traffic and attention to your stuff. Now, whether that's driving traffic to some site, some other site, or just drawing traffic to yourself as like uh, getting attention, right? I right. Mean, if if you're if you're in the media, like, let me see if this works. You can't be in the media unless you have an audience. Otherwise, right. you're just an insane person talking to yourself. So right? maybe we should so say like, it this way, though. I think we should look at it this way and say like the original use of Twitter was like, there was a bunch of people there and eventually media organizations totally. and journalists embraced it. And they found it like, wow, look at, look how useful it is for whatever reason, audience acquisition, learning, things like that. But now I think you could flip it around and be like, Hey media, it's like a tool. It's just like the internet or newsletters or whatever. It's like saying, it's like, Hey, if you invest in this platform, 
right, and help build it, it will actually, one, it will give you the opportunity to build it on your own terms, right? Right, and right, right. two, right, it will actually um, increase adoption in a way that would be meaningful to you. But, like, I just don't, to your point, like, I don't think a, a newspaper editor or it's just saying that just a media person. I think they're just like, they get up day to day, just like everyone else are like, where's the audience? Where do I reach them? Versus like, let yeah. me go and invest in building that. So I don't know, like, will it ever happen? Like, cause I think all the technology is now there. Right. And also too the, the use cases and the things that we want to do with them are pretty well known. Like you don't need to go reinvent everything. You can be like, Hey, yeah. I can clone this in a meaningful way. So we'll see though. I don't know. I, you know, I, I commit to this though. We'll definitely, uh, you know, if we get a blue sky account, we'll throw up a software defined talk, uh, a t- account on it. And like, I love to try them all. Like, I think we're on everything. Yeah. We're on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Mastodon, LinkedIn, TikTok, and YouTube. So I don't know but, if we have great it, channels on any of it, but like, we're at least there. I got, I got two more things to say. Once I get another invite, I'll, I'll, we'll set up a software defined talk thing. And then two, I think, you know, I haven't done a technical analysis, but I, I think, I think the other problem with, with, you know, your media thing is like, and I experienced this firsthand. Now there are, there used to be basically two places for me to go put content, mm-hmm. you know, to, to hype in Twitter and in LinkedIn. And now I have Twitter, LinkedIn, Mastodon, Blue Sky. In response to that, I also have my newsletter, which is fine. Right. And then there's also like a blog. So I've got like seven things yep. right now. If you, if you were like a media person, you don't have time to like run your own online presence. Yeah. Right. And so like, that's also an issue is just like, until there's consolidation, like, because if, if, if you want to rebuild up your, your followers, you basically have to spend all your time in one channel, right? Like there's only, as you know, I'm doing, and you, you basically, you can't really hotwire up all this stuff to cross post. Like it just doesn't really work very well. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. maybe if I was a Python programmer, but it's just, again, it's a time suck. So like, essentially, you have to just be able to like type natively and copy. Yeah, you're just and gonna do it easy. Okay, but let me throw this out though, right? I think this is a place where like there is maybe some top down coordination would need to uh-huh. take place, and I, this is what I would throw out: it's like take pick a number five, ten, twenty of the biggest media organizations in the world, right? Whatever they were, and say, listen, if you were the running those, you would say, let's get God. I know this is gonna be painful. Let's get all get on a Zoom call together and say, listen, Twitter is not working out for lots of reasons. And I don't even think they have to get into it. They just have to say like, but this idea, this functionality with a couple tweaks where it's distributed, we can all control our own verification and we have the ability to let people kind of, if you will, come up with their own content filtering rules, right? Like we all want that. We collectively as these 20 media organizations, we all want that. We will all benefit from that. And us, we should all learn from the past of like, if we don't get involved, then things are, our content gets devalued and we quickly kind of lose control. So what if we pick one of these things, right? Mm-hmm. And we say, listen, tomorrow we're actually going to tell, we're going to, we're going to tell all of our media journalists and uh, you know, if you will, people that like get all your stuff out there. Like we know you don't want to do it. We know, but this is sort of for the greater good. Like this, we're going to build this up a new public square for everyone. And, um, and, and if it works out well, then, you know, the media organizations have a much bigger, if you will say, or at least a seat at the table of how it gets adopted. So I agree. Like, it seems like impossible what I just said there. I know that seems like totally crazy, but 
if they did that, you could put yourself in a totally different position versus, um, you know, writing an article, let's say in a year from now, there's like a new platform out and the media companies are then writing about the media, about how that platform doesn't take care of the media, uh, because it, it exploits people this way. And it's like, well, you, you know what I mean? Like you don't cover the problem, you know, because this problem is so central to your organ, your world, be part of doing something different. Um, so again, I mean, that's very, probably very theoretical. It would never happen, but I think it's worth someone thinking about. Uh, Yeah. You know, I mean that, that, that happened back in the late two thousands, there was all sorts of conferences and conversation and thought leadership about exactly what you said. And it kind of like about creating all this stuff and the practices of it. So Maybe people just need to rediscover that and go through it, which which uh, which will happen. You know, speaking of rediscovering things, Brandon, mm-hmm. recently, I think it was rediscovered that uh, microservices are not good for everything. <laughs> I, I, you know, it, it was you know, one one in having a new show. You know, you don't like to have the framing. Why are we talking about this again? Because then you're talking about it again. I, but so I do not have that framing at all. But I think. It was making me think, and and we should cover what the actual thing was here, as as you often do after my little rambly intros here. But like, we we have a pattern in the last few years of technology stuff where some interesting new, let's say, container based technology, some cloud based technology comes around, and everyone is is interested in it, and it solves a lot of problems. And then and then there were some footnotes and one slide that someone remembered. And then forgot seeing, <laughs> and then five years later, they dig it out. So, yeah, so someone is like, "Oh yeah, well, it was a platform for building platforms. Developers shouldn't have used it, or like, you know, it's not the thing that you start with. You have to be this high to ride the ride." And like, I think at this point, we need sort of like a, um, you know, how media agencies have an ombudsman. We need to have like an ombudsman of tech hype, where every now and then. I guess the ombudsman doesn't do this, but the ombudsman comes in and is like, whoa, everyone, let's calm down. Remember that slide? <laughs> like, I remember that this is a platform for building platforms. Like, let's check ourselves here, right? Like, because it's no one person's fault. It just becomes this, it's not vicious, it's not virtuous, but it becomes this hype site, a flywheel. Yes. You have this flywheel yep. of popularity where the people who are the pot- potential users of the technology, they get very excited about it. And then, of course, Spotify always shows up. And then you always have, like, <laughs> Spotify shows up and a few other people and Chick-fil-A and then, like, Amazon. And they talk about, like, you know, how these new technologies are great to use. Um, and then and then you got the surveys and all this stuff. You know, you got all this this hype about stuff. And then all of a sudden, like, you come to find that it was just, like, uh, not the cure for everything. And then everyone gets all upset. And then And then the cycle repeats itself over and over again. So... We we got to do something to stop this, Brandon, or at least set ourselves up for uh, it's not even a trough, trough of disillusionment. Like, I think we've moved beyond like the the hype cycle and the diffusion of innovation thing. I think I think it's more of like a bumpy road where it's just like crest trough, crest trough, crest trough. <laughs> that we go through so we're in the surf we have, we're like in the in the surf and like the, the in the channel we can't get out of the channel where it's just like you know we're just being exactly forget about the intro well, we, listen, we more I mean, we more end up in in the 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 whirlpool of of tech innovation yeah maybe that's what we're, we're in a tide pool. Right? we're just around. going around in circles and you know? so uh yes. i think that's a good thing well listen to put a little bit of context behind your uh monologue there it's uh so this week 
there was an article from Prime Video that basically they they wrote out um, a blog post that basically says that they switched from you know microservices to a monolith, and from there everything broke. I think from that headline, every everything went wrong. Um, and to like dive into this a little bit, I, I think first is like I I don't know, could this is not meant as a test by any means, but like when I think of monolith. When I define monolith, right, where it mm. comes from in my world, and I think this is where the entire conversation went off the rails, was yes. I think of a monolith. Oh, a is, that, is that a pun, off the rails? Because that's <laughs> <Yes>. that. that. <laughs> I'll just leave it there. Uh, the monolith, I think, is uh, I think of it as sort of like you take all your presentation logic, all your business logic, you just roll it into like one package that said, essentially runs as one process and you put it out there, right? And the problem, as we've all talked about a million times, was like, well, what if something has to change? How does the teams work together so that people aren't breaking stuff and you can still make progress? And we all know the problem of the monolith eventually gets so big that like to ship a small feature takes like a team of like 300 people and yep. you know, 17 years of testing, right? And so that to me, I think is like the traditional monolith. Um, sure. And for the most part, I think everybody, we could just say that's table stakes. Everybody kind of sees the problem with that. So what Prime Video has done here, uh, I think, is to say that they embraced, let's be real precise here, they embraced serverless initially to solve their problem. Then I think what they found was like, hey, turns out a lot of this application logic is very closely related. And we've, if you will, decomposed too many different things and we're spending too many resources trying to, if you will, coordinate all of these microservices to this case, determine whether or not the video quality is good or bad, right? And, yep. they, and they send ourselves like, hey, it's, it's just not scaling. Not, not that surprising, right? This is not a shocking thing. We I mean, just be like, hey, this is like a point where it's like, well, you know, sometimes that happens. Like you can, too much management to actually do that, right? So what they did though, right, is they then repackaged many of these microservices together. And I would call this, quote unquote, just re-architecture, just simply, you know, refactoring. Now, you know, let's be real precise here. Just I'm going to take a lot of these functions that are distributed. I'm going to put them together in one package because it's all closely related. They package that logic together, put it in a container, right? And then said, hey, we're going to run it on uh, ECS. All makes total sense to me, right? But then they even go on in the blog post to say, it's like, well, turns out that had some scalability problems as well. So they provision multiple containers to do slightly different quality traffic analysis, right? So that would be like mm -hmm. a distributed mm -hmm. application, right? I mean, totally makes sense. It's horizontally distributed application. And they found that it ran a lot better. And so the net net of this was like, hey, re-architecting some of your business logic, putting it all in one package together as a container and building the having the ability to distribute it uh, horizontally seemed like the better solution to serverless, right? Which is like 100% Case closed, great story, happens all the time, and I would argue has nothing to do with the monolith. Like, it's not like they're like, hey, we got rid of all tech. Like, if they had said this, like, we rebuilt everything and uh, compiled it down to like a, a native operating system language, like C, 
We provision the biggest EC2 server we can have, and every line of code and everything that is stored is on this one server, and we're just going to, like, buy bigger servers until it doesn't work, and if it doesn't work anymore, then we're just, you know, we're done. We're just not going to do it. Like, yeah. That would be a monolith, but nobody would do that, right? Not only So the thing that surprises me, because Amazon is so precise in their writing, right? Like, we've gone over that a million times. Like, the fact that they let this blog post go out with monolith, Define this way. Either I misunderstood like what a monolith was, right? I I need to check myself, or two, they just radically, you know, um, positioned the whole problem wrong from the beginning. So that's my whole yeah. take on it. What do you think? Well, I think I, there's 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 a lot there, Brandon, and, and uh, <laughs> yes, there a, is. a lot a lot that I find compelling. I think one, I think maybe. Well, first of all, I stopped programming in 2005, so what the fuck do I know? But <laughs> That's never stopped me from any, you know, talking. I think I think there might be a generational divide in in monolith, right? Like mon like to me, a monolith is a three tiered application that basically is strongly coupled together, as you were just saying, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you want to change one part of the system, you have to verify that you haven't broken all the other parts of the system at the least, right? And then the other thing about a monolith is that you, well, I don't know, maybe this is going too far into it, but it's almost like you use that coupling to your advantage because you're following the, the, the dry pattern kind of to a fault where in a monolith, you're trying to do one thing in only one place, like ever, right. Yeah. As, as a way of optimizing things. So to say that a monolith is a single process is not accurate because you can still do things over a network, maybe, right? But I, but I think sort of like past my programming days, like also what a monolith, I mean, a monolith was still a three-tier application, which is to say you have a layer that is the UI, often the web interface. You've got a layer that's the middleware, which is databases and coordinating stuff and, uh, did they say business logic? And then... Basically, the, the bottom tier is, I mean, let's <laughs> just say it's a database. Right? Yeah, yeah It's just a yeah. database. Mm -hmm. Like, And maybe there's some hardware. Who cares? But right. it's, it's state. Or some, like, potentially object storage way down to the bottom. Somewhere there's a yeah, desk. Yeah. Somewhere there's a desk yeah. you can write to. Yep. Exactly. And so, and those three tiers, like, are one unit that, that ships together. And, you know, you always have this fantasy that they can be decoupled, but it never happens because who the fuck cares? Right. right? Like, it's just like, so, but I think what evolved past my time of programming is that, the idea of a monolith, and it's kind of in the, I, I didn't quite understand the diagrams because I don't program anymore that they had, but like, I, I think it's about boundaries and dependencies and coupling, right? So like when I looked at the diagrams, what I kind of saw was that instead of making network calls and transferring data, we don't do that. Right. Like like we kind of we pulled in because at the beginning of the post, it's like a lot of cost was coming from orchestration and um, data transfer, which is what you hear from like cloud stuff like data transfer, ingress and egress are expensive. So instead, if you just keep all that data in one place instead of moving it around, then you've increased the boundary for what you're doing. So, again, like I don't really know what a monolith means nowadays, because like when I look at like cloud native architectures i'm like oh yeah that's java right like or like that's how oo programming works is like i've got a little uh, i've got a little process running here and i make a call over a pipe to another process to coordinate and do something 
And that's just like, yeah, that's object-oriented programming. Uh, and except we didn't always have good network reliability. So like, I, you know, looking through this, like it, it is confusing what makes a monolith versus not a monolith. But I think it probably has a lot to do with like that boundary that you have and this idea that like we don't want coupling, right? right. Like whenever we have dependencies on stuff, that's bad. Um and, and maybe and I, there's a know, whole conversation there to be had around, like, to your point, like, okay, I agree with you. The three tiers seems like the classic. And just to say, because I think, you know, the place that we both feel probably comfortable is like, hey, at some point, the application logic back in like the 2000s, it, it became this big, you know, ball of Java yarn that was just like really complicated and too highly coupled. Of course, you could write it in a way that had plenty of Java interfaces that, you know, was pretty decoupled and things like that. But then oftentimes you were still stuck running it together, right? Or at least it was, yeah. or you had to use something like EJB and then you had different app servers and that started to be more and more complicated. So people said, Hey, I, you know, that was, that started a whole nother branch of stuff. So, so maybe it is like, I don't know, like I'm, I'm, it'd be good if someone like either wrote in or something like, Hey, no, this is the way today's people think about a monolith. But to me, it's sort of like, you know, this was just sort of like, you're, you're still building, if you will, just a, uh, if you will, I just, I don't know, maybe I'll just call it a yeah, distributed yeah. application, right? It's not like I, you were, yeah. You totally. It's, it's not like you were just like piling. Like I, I don't know. I think there's this side of me wants to say, "Oh, kids today, like let me. Sh- you think you know what a monolith is? Let me let yeah, me whip yeah. out some things. Let me show you some stuff that I've seen. Right? Some old client server Win32. Where like, yeah, the thing is so fragile. Yeah. Like if you touched it. So so maybe I'm looking at it wrong there. I'm open to be um, corrected on it. But you know, I'll just say like Adrian. Uh, Cockroft, who I think is, I'm going to, if he, if we're electing a, um, what does he call it? Ombudsman? Um, right? Like maybe yeah. he's the one, like, cause his post was fantastic on this. I encourage everyone to read it. It's titled uh, so many bad takes. <laughs> what is there to learn from prime video microservices to monolith story? And one of the things he just wrote in his story. So we'll use this as a good point. It said, um, they were able to reuse most of their working code by combining it into a single long-running microservice that is horizontally scaled using ECS, right? Which I think is a perfect sentence for what actually happened. So, you know, if you call that, you know, uh, and it even goes on to say, the problem is that they called this refactoring a microservice to monolith translation when it's clearly a microservice refactoring step. So I don't know. I would like yield to him. Like, I feel like and maybe this is, I'm falling into the trap of uh, confirmation bias. Like I kind of was thinking this way and then he put it in perfect prose and I was like, exactly. Sure. So um, I don't know. Get I don't, you know, if, if we think it's and right, it, you know, he, he says he, he does it well there. And, and I, I think the other side of this, right. So we, we've, uh, we've uh, walked up to the monolith and regarded it, but it's also like, you know, despite, despite kind of being in this area for eight years, on uh, the marketing thing, like I n- I've never really gotten comfortable with what exactly a microservice is. And what I mean by that is at least two things. We'll see if it be- turns into five. But like one, the way that people talk about microservices is they talk, they define them based on the benefits that you get, not the technology that they are, right? So so right. Micro- the way any microservice conversation used to begin, you know, way back in 2014, 2015, uh, was that like, was the decoupling thing. Like you need to move fast. And uh, when one team wants to change how their part of the system works, they block on everyone else because you're coupled. So therefore you have microservices, which means they can change things around and they can ship without the other people having to worry about it. And then, you know, all the old, all the old people are like, well, what happens when you change the API? 
and the yep. dependencies break and then and then it's just like off to the races so like versus like and then when i would go look at implementations uh, uh i i think implementations of microservices i would be like so that's an api over the network like i don't i still don't quite get how that's not just like what read write web used to write about like you know or, or whatever like I don't know. It's the different characters and it's a URL you go to and you pass some parameters and it returns something. It's an API. Like, but I, I never quite under, and I still don't quite understand what makes a microservice, not just an API passing back and forth JSON or whatever over HTTP. Like, I don't know why that's a big deal, but it's this whole other thing. Now, uh, and again, because the way people describe it is about the benefits and the operational stuff uh, that, that that microservices give you. And then to compound it, then there's also serverless, which is kind of like, well, how is this all different from that as well? Like, right. it's still like, see, it basically seems like here's like a URL that you go to and you pass it a bunch of shit and it passes a bunch of shit back at you. And that's the whole deal essentially, whatever you want to call And I guess maybe you could have some rules about if there's a process that is long running that holds on to state versus a stateless process that comes and goes and just passes the buck onto some data store somewhere to actually hold the state. <laughs> and then the client has to have a unique GUID or whatever that when it goes back to this, this uh, stateless process, it gives it that GUID, the process looks up the data and pulls that data from the database and then does whatever it was doing, which is really just a bunch of fucking bullshit to right. call it stateless, right? Like, and maybe that's part of the thing is like what I just described there is you have to do this orchestration and passing state back and forth, which can get expensive because it's like a bunch of extra processing versus like, well, why don't we just make it not a forgetful ephemeral process mm -hmm. and have it just sit here holding on to state? Well, maybe right. one way to do it is to step back from the technology a little bit. And Andy from the, the chat here says, you know, serverless functions can be considered microservices. The differentiator is who manages the resources. And maybe if we ah, take the cloud, we just, but if we take this microservice and we just say, let's put aside the technology for a second, just say, you know, in the case of this prime video, we could say it's a microservice because on its own, at least in this context, it doesn't really provide any, you know, quote unquote business value. So it's a microservice mm. to prime video and prime video is the service to the end user. And what does it do? It lets you watch videos and live stream uh, yeah. sporting events. And so within prime video, though, within that service, that large application, there would be many microservices. In this case, we're talking about one uh, that monitors the quality. Now, you could say, just for just to be very pedantic about it, but be like, well, and there's an, an application that you know uh, Adrian talks about. Like, you could sell that separately and be like, hey, we are just uh, uh, a company that provides a video monitoring service to people that want it, and that's that's the end. And so in that case, it's it, you know it becomes if quote unquote the microservice is the service. You know what I mean? It's like someone's managing yeah, yeah, it, yeah. someone's paying. Uh, you're you have customers, people are paying for it. It's kind of managed. So, so maybe the distinction is more in the case, in this case, it's just sort of like, how do you package things up to deliver business value? And behind the scenes, it doesn't matter if it's serverless or if it's a container right. or whatever. It's just, it's a smaller piece of a larger thing that delivers value. And, you know, you're reminding me of another, like the, 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 uh, uh, the traditional microservice example where, and I think it's even used somewhere in the current dust up where there's a, uh, 
there's a screenshot of an Amazon book page. And and spot you do this with Spotify yeah, too, where yeah. you, you highlight all the little uh the little portlets as we used to call them. Yep. And and you say that's a microservice. So I guess you could define a microservice as an architectural style where instead of having one method or API call that says, give me the page. Instead, there's a whole other thing that says, give me this, give me this component, give me this component, and I will stitch together the page, whoever I is. So it's basically like you've got like a stupid monolith that actually does all the work to, to, to like pull stuff together. And instead you have these well-defined components or APIs or microservices. And so you favor breaking up each of these things. But again, it's sort of like, when when microservices were first coming about, I was like, yeah, but that's just like APIs. Like we've always been trying to have this like clean separation of data, like make sure that like you subcomponent things out and blah, blah, blah. And so like, you know, so what is it about, what's the technology that makes a microservice thing different? And I guess to the point you could say like, I, I mean, I, I can see that serverless is basically like, uh, well, you know, my, my answer for all this stuff is like, everyone actually just wants public cloud and we're just dicking around <laughs> until we have that, right? right? Like, of course you don't want to manage infrastructure. Well, let me just answer your question. I think you, you're hitting on a close, but I think back to the management, it's like an API, like being, again, very specific here would be like, hey, you could always just have an API, but the idea was like, you're going to run the package yourself. But the service part is like, no, 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 I'm actually providing yeah. you an API. It's available yeah. on a network. You can use it and I will manage the availability for it. So I am providing you the service. You don't need to download, install, and run this thing and use the API. You just use the API from the service I'm providing to you. Um, yeah. but it does get now, like, now, complicated mm-hmm. now. Now the other issue, like, I mean, you're, you're a, you're a esteemed product manager. Like there's also a big product management assumption in microservices, which, so if we go all the way back to our good old friend, patrol express or the BMC <laughs> performance manager, which, oh, God help you us. know, like if, if you just, if you've seen any demos of monitoring and log management and you know what uh, it is, it does, that. That's what it, network, does. <laughs> it does that. It's exactly what it did. Gathers the data, sticks it in a database and presents it and lets you take minimal action reporting on it. But like as as the product manager of that product, if we were doing the pure Amazon web page microservices thing, like you would have to go potentially to whatever team was in charge of like the date selection widget. No, that's too absurd. You would have to go to like the team that would render uh what a server or a node look like and like negotiate with them along with 15 other teams that like by this date, your widget should do this, right? So when you're selling a product, like there's inherent coupling between all the stuff because you've got a roadmap. It's just like, well, we're going to ship version 3.5 of this product, which is going to have all of these features. And so there's this date that we need to hit and so now we're coupled. Now, maybe what I'm missing here is that that's only the case for uh, private cloud software. And then go, going, it, whereas if you have a SaaS, you can be a little more loose. So like maybe at Salesforce and ServiceNow with Brandon, the product manager, you can go to the team that like renders what a, um, I don't know, what a network endpoint looks like. And they can be like, yeah, that's great. 
we're not going to do that. Yeah, well, I think we can even use, let's return to our example here. I think Prime Video, you know, I think at the top, right, there's obviously a team of product management people I'm working, I'm sure working on it. But like, I think at the end, right, the the business requirement is like, hey, we want to uh, make sure our videos stream in a certain quality and we don't see a lot of buffering. Because people would say like, the number one problem that we're hearing about hypothetically is that like it's buffering, it's slow, the videos are low quality, right? And Mm -hmm. they know at the business level, if that happens too much, end of game. It doesn't matter how much you spend on uh, content. If I can't actually watch it in my home theater setup, I'm moving on. I'm going to a different app. So I'm sure that's kind of where this started. And then, you know, there are probably a bunch of discussions internally about like, how do we do it? And in this case, right, uh, they decided to monitor all the end users, right? And so as on the product side of it, maybe you would give a little bit and say, listen, okay, it's going to maybe take too much time and effort to do everything. Let's do a sample, right? And Adrian Cockcroft gets into this in his post. And it's like, well, or let's start that way. Let's start because the streaming, we're going to stream kind of, if you will, content that isn't um, have like some huge event. It's not like the Oscars, right? It's like, so let's work out the details. But when we go live, in this case of like uh, NFL Sunday Ticket at YouTube, I hope NFL Sunday Ticket at YouTube, I hope they're working as hard as they've ever worked about like we are going to have to stream, you know, something like, you know, 10 to 15 football games simultaneously from a user base that will be extremely vocal, right? Like you better have that figured out. So they've got, you know, so you can kind of see the give and take in the the business discussion versus like, you know, we'll just use our children as a thing versus like, it's fine. If the latest Mr. Beast video, you know, if it hiccups a little bit, you know, the kids, they'll be all right. They'll complain to their parents, but the parents will probably be like, turn off YouTube, go do your homework, right? You know what I mean? So there's some give and take uh, uh, between the users there. And of course, I, I fully admit you to uh, that Mr. Beast is probably bigger than everything I just mentioned there. So, you know, but you get the point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, uh, you know, I, I think this is a great opportunity to, to relearn and discover what exactly a microservice now, is. No, but I did, before you get off the topic completely, Coach, I want to like, we'll, yeah. we'll back up to kind of your world. I think now, where are the legitimate gripes? Because this is such a passionate topic online, at least in the world we're in, yeah. where is the emotion coming from? And I think this is directly in the world you are. I think what people are saying is more like this. It's like, we had to refactor all this code, like if I was on the Amazon team, I think what they would want to say in a more blunt way is like, man, we did all this in serverless. It pretty much did what we wanted. Then we had to spend three months refactoring everything. And then when we actually wanted to run it, we had to go get the team trained up on ECS. And it turned out we thought it was going to take us like a few days. But even just learning all the ECS and how to make it all work, this is your, your developer toil thing. It's like, that took a whole bunch of time and we had to hire some new people or get to a bunch of training. And we're really frustrated that we had to do all that. We feel like this is too complicated because we wanted to write, because our, if I'm on the business logic side, it's like, we're really good at writing these detectors at creating, figuring out if video is bad. And that's what the people we hired to do. But now they're all writing YAML and they're stuck in Docker and they're stuck in ECS configuration and they're all mad. This is not what they want to do. And I think like that frustration, I get. Like that's the part, like if they had written that, I'm like, I get it. It is like, we've all been there and it's just like, it's just too, it's too hard. It's even now it's still too hard. So I don't know if that's just setting up your developer toil pitch. Um, but I did want to acknowledge like there, like we're like, I think the frustration came out sideways here. Right. I think that like the problem mm. is actually, you know, something slightly different than what was written. What is your take? Yeah. I, I think that's a, like, I, I think the passion around monoliths over the years is 
is kind of it is it, it, like what you're saying is like if you're telling someone who's doing a monolith that they whatever that means that they shouldn't be doing it then like they just have to like learn a bunch of new shit and they're probably like yeah but this works and then they're probably also like i know it's not working but that's because of all these things i've been telling you for years right like do you remember yeah. that time when yeah. i was like mm-hmm. hey we need to have pretty clear api boundaries and separations hey you know you might want to make sure that like this feature you have on this one screen doesn't trickle down to the database and instead you want to like protect against that like that's you know page 392 of that martin fowler book right like just like all these things and it's just sort of like well yeah now we're stuck here because we made all these compromises and like it's not to be a kid it's not my fault (laughs) right yeah and and like i think i think that's the other the other inherent thing is just like i mean to use the old uh the old jp stuff like just all all software turns into crap after a while right and so like you've got like a good three five-year period where it's kind of like agile enough or or whatever agile is the wrong word in this context but like yeah it takes a lot of work not only to make sure that your software is is in good shape but as you were saying also like the other issue is that like then all of a sudden you have to put this new infrastructure in place that it's not that the the tools or the infrastructure you're using are completely unproven it's just it's not proven for you right and so like whether or not it's putting in place like we got to switch over to serverless or we need to switch to microservices or we need to switch to using public cloud from using private cloud or we need to switch to Kubernetes. It's like, all right, well, now we got to deal with this shit. Like we got to learn how to do it and port everything over. Like even for as great as like backstage based stuff is probably over the next couple of years, there'll be a lot of people who are like, Oh, now we've got to migrate like our whole yep. confluence setup yep. over to backstage. And like we tried to write some scripts and then the links broke and then I didn't have security access to this. And now we got Git involved over here. And it's just like, oh, and then when we're finally done, like now it's in black background with neon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, no, totally. and, and, and like, and like the answer isn't necessarily that like we shouldn't have done that. The answer is sort of like, why didn't Atlassian just do that? Right. right. Like, like, like if, or, or why didn't the community, the open source community that, that we're relying on just sort of like, like, like why does, is blue sky making its own federated protocol instead of using the Mastodon one? Like, I don't really, I'm sure there's some critical differences <laughs> that, uh, that I could see, but like, come on, I've programmed before. It's just fucking computers. Yeah. Right? Well, I like, think, and I think maybe this is a good place to end this topic is, is to go out on one final, uh, uh, Adrian Cockcroft Cock- uh, quote here. It says, Cockcroft. Like, I can never, thank you. I can never say the name right. So, but here's what he says at right, the very end of his article that everyone should go read. He says, quote, I suggest you take a look at datazoom.io, which provides this as a service and where the chief architect and CTO are both ex-next Netflix colleagues of mine. So maybe the answer to the question of whether to build a microservice or a monolith is neither. You should be calling an existing service rather than rolling your own. And I thought that kicker at the end is like, to what you were going is kind of the answer to all these questions. It's like, yeah, like before you built anything, back to the product management question, could we just go use what they have out there right now and not do any of this, right? And that's sort of like, you know what I mean? That's like, we like even Amazon, like everyone forgets that 
over and over, just like you're saying before. It's like you wrote software, you know it can be done, you know somebody else did it. Why not just use what's what's there? Which I thought was a great end to that post. Yeah, and and you know you know it's gonna rot and bite you in the ass later. So just have it be someone else's ass that it bites. Like you know, <laughs> I I don't know. Well, you know, just as a, as we, we we don't have much time left, but uh, it was it was exciting to see that IBM relaunched. It's a, it's a Watson thing by adding an X to the end, which is fine. I've, I've been waiting for them to kind of be like, Hey, remember us? So I don't know. What do you Hopefully think? Like, I mean, it's hard not, I, I think, you know, as a brief aside here, it's like, you kind of knew this was coming. Right. And I kind of, I, my comment was here. It's like IBM always announcing new, something new before showing anything new. And it's like, right. Well, well that, that reeks is that, that, of the, the, this is the stuff when people talk about when they say like, quote unquote, marketing is bad. Right. These yeah. are the moments where I'm like, ugh, the, where it, it, it kind of does make, make the argument, right? It's like you're announcing that in June or July, you know, you're going to have something that nobody's really seen. So it just reeks of like a group of people got in a room. There was some it talk of like, what, what, what do we have, right? And I'm sure people were like, yeah, it doesn't really do this. It doesn't do this. Well, let's just, we got, and then there was like, we've got to make some announcement today. We have to do something today. And it's like, yeah, yeah. and when it finally comes out, it would be shocking if it like, if it's not, if you will, kind of disappointing, right? Like, you know, like as we've been recording today, Google IO is going on. I'm sure they're, they're announcing a bunch of stuff that they will probably make available very quickly that will actually get hands on. And it's just like, and, and the whole, the X at the end of Watson, again, it's like, it kind of does like, like if it was a parody, right? You know what I mean? Like you would come up with these ideas. Let's yeah, let's yeah, launch yeah. it. Let's uh, make Watson lowercase. Let's add an X. Let's say it's coming in in June. Let's also say that we're using it internally to to reduce uh, headcount by thirty percent. It's like what are you like? You just today you are like you haven't been doing this all along, but like because these announcements came out, now you're going to get rid of thirty percent thirty percent people. Like none of this reeks of like authenticity in any way. So. Mm. I'm well, well, now, now, final now, thought on now, it though. It's just like happy to be proven wrong. I hope they announce something that totally blows us away, but man, this just sets, this is the, the epitome of over promise under deliver written all over it. Now, now maybe it sounds like maybe you have done the research, but I didn't actually go see if I could install something somewhere or no. if there are even like, <laughs> like reference papers. But I think, I, I think, I think, I think the principle you're, you're, you're going over here is like, I would basically, having worked in marketing for so many years, my advice would be, uh, don't announce anything until you have something that that it it can even be an L. It doesn't have to be a GA thing, but you need to at least have like a website you go to or like a GitHub repo. Is that the right phrase? Like just yeah, like a thing. And right. so for for example, or a chatbot you can use that people are excited about. Right, it does a bunch of stuff that people come back to you. They're like, oh my gosh, I just discovered it does this. Right, that's what or, you want. Or, right, or even even like in in and, and again, I haven't done this research, so who knows? But let's let you know. Even if even if they were like, hey, here's like a fifty page PDF of really awesome Chat GPT prompts that you could use. <laughs> if you had the right data set with it, right? Like even something like that would be good. Cause I think, I think there are plenty of people who have talked about and are imagining like enterprise corporate uses for chat GPT, right? Yeah. But there's not really any demonstration of interesting stuff, which is what this Watson stuff was supposed to be all along. So it's just sort of like, even if you just had ideas of how you would use this stuff and you were like, yeah, all you need is like, you know, five terabytes of training data that you sick this thing on. And then 
even though we may not do that, we can come and integrate it for you and like figure out how to make it all work. Like all, you know, you could even demonstrate all we did is we made a dummy instance of, of SAP stuff and we made a chat GPT plugin that allows you to query it. Like that would be amazing. That, that would be like a good Watson X sort of thing, but you got to have like, like something. And so I think it's always good, uh, you know, in, unless you're shipping it or unless you're making it available, you don't really need to talk about it. I don't think you're going to win any points. Like there's no like. No, not, you're just going to. In fact, I think people are just going to come out and just say like, oh, this is just like the same old IBM because, you know, a, a little behind the scenes is like, you know, one of the things when I was at IBM, like people would ask all the time, like, hey, can I use that Jeopardy thing? Where's that Jeopardy thing that IBM want? And it's like it had been dismantled. It wasn't around. It's like you could have just kept that up and running and be like, hey, just ask random questions to the Jeopardy mm. uh, engine. Right. And just got answers. People would have loved it. But again, it's like like that would have been something that's actually going on. And just the way this was all rolled out. I mean, it just it has like, you know, you saw the P- press release come out and then you saw the IBM PR machine. That's one thing they're good at. Right. Like. All these various outlets wrote about it, and it's just like, all right, we'll see in a few months. <laughs> you know, it just and uh, another thing, I just I can't get out of my head is just like, you know, because they announced this whole Watson Health thing and the idea they were going to use this, you know, machine learning for X rays, and it's like it didn't work. They got rid of it. It's like, why? They, I don't know why would you come back and just do this again and again and again? Just like, just wait, wait until you have the cure, right? Wait till you have a thing that every doctor mm-hmm. in the world's like, yep. I'm running every diagnostic I have through this machine, right? It's like, wait till you have it. Like, otherwise you just end up with like a lot of nice marketing collateral that gets retired in a few years. So now, now, now just briefly, and then, and then we'll, we'll uh, get to the, the, the last segments of our show. Now you must've been tracking this, but the, uh, whatever, whatever a, a pass key is came out from Google and, and like, I, I signed up to use it. It's great. It's just like, it makes it like using a, a, a normal Apple device where you just scan your face or your yep. finger to do something, which is wonderful. Now, how did they front run that like a year ago that they no, were coming no, out with case, it? This has been in the works for years. So this is all coming out of a standard, right? And so this is like a probably, we probably mentioned on the show a while back that all the major operating system vendors, like you know, Windows, Mac, and all the major browsers, you know, Chrome, Safari, um, Firefox, whatever, they're all going to support this. This is what has been the problem before. It was like, hey, there wasn't some universal standard of like, how do I communicate between these operating systems mm. and applications? You so need the, the, the FIDO or some Exactly, nonsense, FIDO. Right? That's, that's the standards body behind the scenes. So, yeah, so they all agreed that they were going to do it, which is like step one. But, of course, many agreements have happened. And then for many reasons, it's never come to fruition. But like, it looks like, yeah, so it looks like Google sort of has, you know, actually implemented it and, and it said, okay, now start using pass keys as we all got the email. So the idea is that like, okay, because the support is in all the operating systems and it's in all the browsers that this, you know, I, I almost call it, it's like the beginning of the end, right? Like this could actually, because since we've been in technology and even before us, people have been trying to get rid of the password and it has never happened, right? If anything, there's just more passwords now than ever. But I was like, wow, this is actually seems like it could really happen. Like Google's on it and then obviously Apple's supporting it. And so will, will we see more sites basically start to use it? Um, and then of course, we'll people like one password find a way for us that move between computers and between different operating systems to make it all work together, um, which they've announced support for as well. So it's like, I don't know. There's like a reason for optimism here. It's like, I think it could actually happen. Um, so so um, I, want, I wanted to bring that up. I wanted to bring that up to compare it to like our Watson talk there. Right. Because mm-hmm. like, like it seems like, well, not seems like, like the pass key stuff, like for me, cause I don't pay attention to this. Like, 
one day I'm reading news and it's like, oh, Google has this. Right. Thing. It's here now. Like, right. Yeah. Like it, and I can go use it. It's right here. Yeah. However, there was a whole like like standards. I'll, I'll just say open. There was a whole like stand open standards community process that had been going on for years. Yep. To make it possible. Right. So you've got two different things. You don't just have like all of a sudden Google's like, we're going to make it so you can log into Gmail with your like, face ID or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. And that's coming this summer. Right. Like instead, it was a, it's a different sort of process where it's like, well, the, the industry has been working on this. So it's taking a while, but we're establishing that it works. And now all that's left to do is for all the different people to implement the stuff that makes right. it work. Everyone right? has which agreed. Is, yep, exactly. Everyone has agreed which, to the which, standard and the technology. And so now everyone is going to start rolling it out. That's which which I think is, is a different different like thing than like a vendor saying or a cloud service saying that like we're going to have this AI thing in the future. Like we have this thing. It's just not available yet. And so like it, ma- it makes me think like if you're going to announce that you're going to have something that probably is only good if it's coming off of like this kind of like community standard process, right? Yeah. Because because everyone, well, everyone, it's possible to verify that the technology actually works. And what, what people, what you can pre-announce is that you'll be doing it and kind of like adding your own stuff to it. Yeah, and, and remember too, like we're looking at the only at the very end of this where I think there is reason for optimism. Of course, we'll have to see what happens. But remember, this is on top of like years, decades of like everyone having their own solution. And I was like, oh, Google's announced a, a new way to do it. You have to use Google Authenticator. And then there's like another tool like Okta. And there's another, you know, there's been like a million of these different solutions. Microsoft has a whole suite of them. And they've all been very independent. And they've had various degrees of working with the passwords or not. Apple's whole Apple ID, its own, you know, ecosystem. So, you know, this is only, let's not pretend like, oh, everyone got together and did the right thing at the beginning. It's like, this is only at the begin end of like, everyone's like, Hey, you know, normal people have 200 passwords here. If you happen to work in technology, you probably have a thousand. You don't even know about them all. Right. And it's like, so now people are like, we got to fix this. And that's where the adoption of this is together. And I think that's the reason to be optimistic. Of course, what looms ahead is will, and I think they've done a very good job. So I'm, I'm endorsing it as well, but like, you know, you don't know the end user, the consumer, will they, will they take to it? Or will they just be like, I don't get, I don't understand this pass keys. It's, you know, yeah. where, where did my password go? I want my password back. Right. So we'll see. You know, and, and, and then there's another contrast, like to that contrast, like, you know, that, that, uh, uh, home automation thing called matter or whatever, yeah. uh-huh. like, like I, I remember in the fall, like Apple announced they had matter support and it was like, Oh, finally, all this stuff will work together because it's a, it's a, it's a standard that they've been working on for years and consorting with people and every, all these other people have announced they have matter support. And so far, I think that's meant absolutely fuck off. Yeah, no, I think, in fact, that's even worse. It's kind of gone sideways. I think a bunch of people tried to, and then it wasn't really working. Now people are kind of backing away from it. So that's kind of the downside of like, oh, you know, it turns out being interoperable, either it doesn't work or it doesn't align with what the businesses ultimately want, right? And they, they're just like, no, no, what made us special was that we did this thing other, right? So yeah. that seems like that one's going, you know, I don't know, the bad yeah. way. Yeah, right? which, which, which seems bonkers because like, I mean, I'm no Ben Thompson, but it feels like owning that networking layer as a proprietary thing doesn't make business sense for anyone. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I guess... I guess it makes business sense because you have to choose one of the three home automation ecosystems and lock into it. 
so so it's very user friendly. I don't know. Like, today, the- I just on a quick aside there, like I just think never underestimate the uh, executive incompetence that can come out of large strategic yeah. worlds. And I just wanted to uh, quickly uh, cite an example. So we talked about uh, GM, you know, getting rid of CarPlay. Don't need to say anything out. But I just thought like Ford came out. And the CEO was like a genius. He just said the obvious and he, he's going to get a lot of publicity. He just says like, yeah, they're going to keep uh, CarPlay and Android Auto and all the Fords. And, they, and he says, he just says, it's like, we lost that battle 10 years ago. And he's like, yeah, he's just doing the obvious thing, saying the obvious answer. And also like, you know, putting his competitor in a bad position. Now here GM is like, no, no, no. In fact, I saw today they've hired an, an Apple, a former Apple executive with experience yeah. in building such and such. And, and it's like, it, you know what? It's not going to work at all. It's going to be, it's going to be awful. And it's like, but I'm sure they have just teams of people advising them on how smart this is and you know, how good it is. And it just shows you like, to me, it's just clearly just incompetence at high levels is everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's true. Brandon. <laughs> speaking of, speaking of, uh, uh, competence at all, at many levels, there's, there's several, uh, conferences coming up. Uh, and I, I will be at one of them tomorrow. Well, I guess it's today, but I actually am here in London today for the uh, DevOps UK conference. So that's going to be on uh, May 10th, as we record now, May 11th and May 12th. And uh, I'm going to be at several other conferences. There, there's a, uh, let's see, uh, there's PlatformCon online, which I'll be speaking at. That's June 8th and 9th. That'll be fun in, in, in the June timeframe to check in on platform engineering. I think, I think, uh, we we should we should set up a reminder, Brandon. I think I'm gonna say maybe not August because that's Europe in September. We need to have an episode in September where we check in on platform engineering. All right, like and it. See, like we got to be like, is platform engineering a thing, or was Schaefer right the whole time? <laughs> and and like we got to we maybe we'll have him on to do. Uh, we'll, we'll get someone from Humanitech. And we'll get Schaefer on and we'll have a panel and see what, what's up with platform engineering. Like it. And then uh, there's also DevOps Days Amsterdam, uh, which is June 22nd and 23rd. I'm not speaking there, but I'm just going to attend. There's a lot of people that we know who are going there. And then uh, finally, there's VMware Explorer US and uh, Spring One is going to be uh, in Las Vegas, September 6th and 7th. And then they finally uh, announced this, so I can announce it. I'm, I'm going to be giving the keynote at DevOps Days Des Moines. Des Moines? How do you say that? Des Moines? Iowa? Boy. Where are we? Which... I, in, in Iowa. In Iowa? Des Moines, Iowa. Oh, okay. Des Moines. <laughs> I yeah. thought you were trying to me up with the European one. That I no, can take no, care no. of you. The Midwest. That's, Love it. That's that's going to be uh, that's September 6th and 7th. And okay. Spring 1 and VMware are August 21st and 24th. God, it feels that's like we my... should all be there. I don't know how we're all going to get to Iowa, but man, that, that feels like our people. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, mean like I expect there to be a big contingent of software-defined yeah. talk. I think ho- hopefully I'll get a discount code. But yeah, just come to DevOps Days. Des Moines. Dude, we're gonna, I want a picture of you with a big ear of corn, like dipped in like you know seventeen gallons of butter. That's if that doesn't yeah. come back from that trip, we've you've missed uh, you've not achieved your objective. Yeah, you know, back at our old rent house uh, here in Amsterdam. Well, not here. I'm in London. Over in Amsterdam, there was there was an uh, an Irish husband and an American wife who lived down the street, and I was talking with them one day, and the wife was from Iowa, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Wow, <laughs> Iowa, huh?" And and she was hilarious. She was like. That's the same reaction every American always gives me. <laughs> well, it kind of is. I mean, it's kind of true. Yeah, I, th- I, I think probably would have said the same thing. Yeah, I think I think only maybe if you were from like North Dakota or Idaho, you might get that reaction. But I think Iowa would be the number. 
No, even Rhode Island. People would just be like, huh, Rhode Island. But Iowa, people are like, wow, I've never met someone from Iowa. No, so, totally. You know. No, you're right. I think Iowa, Idaho, they're in a very similar kind of you know surprise, if you will, when you meet someone yeah. from there. Yeah. Well, uh, do we have any bureaucracy to go over, Brandon? A couple thing here. Uh, a couple things here. One, I want to say thanks to uh, I think it's Matthias for giving uh, he gave Software Defined Talk a free subscription to the ODIR service that helps monitor your site's SSL certificates. So, turns out you know our provider they had uh, if you will been uh, I shouldn't say they did anything because it was fixed almost before it was. But he said, hey, turns out you know your certificate has expired, uh, and then he said, do you want a, a free. Uh, uh, subscription to the service like yes we do we always want free stuff so we're happy to take if you've got like some kind of service for website monitoring or podcasting or something we can use we always enjoy that so so now Cote I'll be notified I guess you will be too um, but let's be fair fair you're not going to read that notification I will be notified if the certificate no. goes uh, um, invalid and also Mary mailed some stickers to uh, Jacob in uh, Quincy Massachusetts and uh, if you like a sticker, all you have to do is send your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. I will be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. Yeah. Well, I, I neglected one other conference. If you're in Brussels or, or the lowland countries uh, on June 1st, I'm going to be giving a keynote at the VMware user group, uh, Belgium there, which is free to attend. So you should come. Uh, you know, it's very easy to get to Brussels. So you have everyone covered anywhere. from Brussels to Iowa, it looks like. I guess we're going to have to get a California um no, Vegas. You have Vegas too in there. I was gonna yeah. say how- I need I need some I need some Oceana stuff. If I was going to uh Yeah, that's like what we have Matt Ray for now. We something. keep Matt Ray down there. You know, so, oh yeah, uh, that's that's true. That's okay, true. good, good. He'll he'll cover Oceana for us. Oceana. Oceana uh, whatever. Well, what do you have to recommend this week, Brandon? Uh this week I started uh watching Silo. It's a new Apple TV plus uh show. It's based on the book Wool, which I've recommended probably several times on the show, uh by Hugh. Howie, I think. Uh, and so if you like the book, obviously, you, you'll probably like the series. So two episodes in. I think it's well done. I think it seems to be pretty true to the book. It's always interesting when you read a book you really like because the first episode is sort of like, if you will, it's like you kind of have these, at least I have like mental images I've created of characters and then you see it portrayed. So it's always like, wait a minute. They didn't they didn't make exactly what I thought. But now that I'm into it a little bit, um, I'm interested to see how it goes. It seems like it's well-produced like a lot of things in Apple TV. So hopefully it'll be good. Two episodes in, I'd recommend it. So we'll see how they finish out the season. Well, you know, that explains it. Cause there, there's a kid's book that is, uh, it's, I forgot about wool. It's kind of like wool. And the, the premise of the kid's book is that there's like all these people living underground and the kids like uh, I forget the name of it, and and the kids like you know graduate and get to some class and they get categorized. Which wool is a little bit like if I, I don't remember wool that well, but like I kept seeing those the, these uh, previews for that show and thinking like, is this about that kids book? Nah, like nah, it nah. seems a little nah. serious. But yeah, now no, the young you're adult right. doesn't quite have the young adult because the young adult thing is always like Hunger Games or Divergence, where it's like the kid graduates yeah. and then they get like selected for something. So this doesn't really have that. It's more like dystopian view. Of, yeah, 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 of yeah. So, no, no, totally. I, mean, I, I didn't not, connect hey, listen, that together. I've just watched uh, Hunger Games with my son. He he was into that, and I tried to get him on like what what's the other one? Uh, Runners, Maze Runner. I was like, I think you like this one too, but he was like, ah, that's it's not good. I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, I think it's the same. <laughs> You know, I mean, I'm not in a bad way. It's like, it's a, it's a good, I thought it was a good young adult, especially for a boy. I was like, I think he'll totally end it. And he's like, this is another thing, Cote, like rec, I don't know. I don't know what you do, but like, I just, at this point I may try to make no recommendations to my son. 
no matter uh, what. Like literally, if he's even like bleeding, gushing blood, it's almost like I don't know if I should say anything. I feel like if I say something, no. it would be rejected. If you said something like "You're bleeding," you're like, you know, your life is being threatened. I think you should take care of that. I'd be like, it's I'm, it's fine, Dad. It's fine. So so it's like yeah. I'm always just I don't I don't know what to do. I guess I'm just living the the, the parental nightmare that we all are. So anyway, that's no, true. that's true. That's true. A, a you're reminding aside, me though that I, I will not recommend any more movies. I try never to recommend movies to him, but we'll see what. Oh happens. no, you don't want to do that. My Cor- Cormac read. He finished reading the first long book that he chose to read recently the uh the second uh percy jackson book okay it's very exciting that he uh he read to that i bought it on of all things i bought it on apple books and he just uh has been reading it and on he actually phone. did well i recommended lord of the flies immediately immediately Oof. that was that was that was wrong because it had like an english teacher vibe to i was like oh yeah no God. i was like i want to walk that back i'm like oh no no that book yeah who would read that that's of course you didn't enjoy that but anyway no no well well speaking of books my recommendation is uh, i tried to start reading this book a little while ago but then i got back into it and it's this older book from the 2000s called how to be I- or how to idle and it's all about like uh, it's all about like it's a manifesto, as it says, for uh, it's a loafer's manifesto. And, you know, the re- I remember I stopped reading this because it was just a little too like, uh, you know, late 2000s bloggy uh, of, of what they were doing, just kind of putting out ideas for they this guy, Tom, who wrote it, wrote it. But I think I think I'm starting to detect an interesting life philosophy uh, in there beyond just like the obvious. And that is like. You know, we all struggle with this, Brandon and listeners, is being comfortable with doing less. I mean, here we are doing an extracurricular podcast, all the effort that we put into it and all this stuff. And sometimes you just got to be like, I should just do less stuff and be satisfied with it. And I think that's what I'm looking to extract from this book is maybe not as strident as this guy is uh, about loafing, but just like being comfortable with doing less, uh, I think is what I'm going to extract from that. So how to be idle. Maybe I'll give an update when and if I finish it. Uh, Speaking of finishing things, you've just about finished another episode of Software Defined Talk. Uh, Hopefully you've enjoyed it. You know, if you've listened this far and you don't subscribe, you should definitely look up Software Defined Talk in a podcast thing somewhere. That's what they're called nowadays, right? Podcast (laughs) things. And uh, subscribe to it. We have videos posted uh, in YouTube and other places like that. You can see the live streaming. And also, if you want to see links to a lot of the things that we talked about, and many things we didn't, you can get the show notes if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 414, where you can also learn how to join our Slack channel, where there's all sorts of interesting conversations uh, throughout the week uh, occurring and happening. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. What we need to do, we need to get some more uh, some more media sponsorships from, from, uh, yeah. you know, from companies. Because I think, I think it's clear that like probably at least let's say 2000 of those people who went to KubeCon, it's because of the software defined talk media sponsor. <laughs> I love it. So, you know, I love it. Oh, uh, so we, we did you, yeah, like, you should have, uh, you should, <laughs> you should have made, made sure to tell the PR people. It's like, yeah, we're pretty sure we're 2000 of these, <laughs> these signups. I yeah, love it. Yeah. That'd be fantastic. Well, you know, you if know, only, it, if it, only it, that was the is, case. This is one of my, so I, I mean, maybe, maybe I should, well, I won't say, but this will be as, as we call it, the, the streamer's delight here, or, or maybe for the after show or whatever. But like Kim was uh, listening to the, uh, the Dave Grohl memoir and, and she was telling me how he does, he was doing, did all these collaborations. With and people. that is, we should tell everyone that's the drum, uh, Nirvana, 
drummer? No, he's not the drummer. He's the uh, Dave no, Ball. he was the drummer. He is yeah. the drummer. Drummer of Nirvana. Also, uh, what was the other band? Uh, Foo Fighters, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, exactly. And okay, so, like, so she was reading that. Uh huh. And on. she she was she was commenting on how he he just like runs into all these famous people like Madonna and Johnny Cash and and uh, and then uh, what's that guy named Lenny from that from that metal band motorhead <laughs> okay and uh and like we'll just like say like hey we should do something together and so i was thinking you know i should start doing that i gotta i gotta just go up to people and be like hey we should do something together so i i asked some advice of a few people i was as people that do this kind of thing i was like how do you get people to do collaborations with you and and at first i forget who i was talking with this about but at first they were like well you know, you don't want to be too direct. Like you want to just kind of like see what they're up to and maybe just suggest some stuff you can collaborate on. And then I, I, I swear, like eight minutes later into the conversation, they were like, and also sometimes you should just say, hey, we should do something together. So uh, I guess that's that's uh, that's that's what I'm thinking of is is like I need to think about who are these people that I run into? And I think in my head, like, oh, it'd be fun to do some project. I just need to start saying like, yeah, you should have me do that with you. Like, let's do something. And uh, so analogously here with software defined talk it's like you know what if you're doing a conference you should do something with us we'll come and record live we'll uh we'll promote it on there we'll go to like at kubecon we'll go to your media day you know i, I know that matt and i didn't do a great job summarizing what <laughs> did happened. you guys go to media day did you actually oh go? yeah did you attend we some? didn't yeah you know and there, there was some good stuff in there mm-hmm. i i think uh you know we could have done a little better maybe covering it here in the podcast but uh I think I think the overall sentiment was was good uh, of of what was happening there. You know, some of the some of the things could have been a little bit better in the media track. But whatever. Well, I, this is what I it's want. Difficult. Okay? This is what we should propose. No one maybe may put this in after shows. Like we'll come. This is what I would like. Though this is my request. Uh, of course, we want, always want like you know to provide us some type of way to cover the cost. That would be number one. That would be great. Yeah. Number two would be uh, give us a room. Uh, that's just reasonably close to where people are walking around that is just quiet. It has power yes. and it's quiet. Because that way we could just go and be set up and then uh, I'd like to just sit there and you know knock out like two or three interviews like a day oh, at least, yeah. right? And then just because that's what I would like to come. I, I'm willing to, uh, I mean, the Software Defined Talk team here, the team, the masses, like we would like to do that because... As you know, it's like one, if you get somebody there and you want to do something quick, it's like you got to be oh set up God. and you got to be, it's got to be reasonably quiet, which I know is yeah. sort of annoying. And everyone's like, no, no, let's just do it here. It's like when you take that sound and you put it on, it's like, it's not, it's not as good. So, but yeah, like if there's yeah. a place close by, like a, it doesn't have to be a studio. I'm done. I don't want to be like crazy. I'm just talking about like a reasonably quiet no, you just need room. A room. A room, yeah, yeah. and just yeah, and, ideally and you, you with carpet, the, a room with carpet, the, and and maybe the, some curtains would be perfect. The right? the uh, the scale people did that excellently, right? Like just yeah. I think in a matter of just like a, a few days, or it was maybe a week, but you know, they were just like, yeah, sure, and then uh, it worked out. It was yeah. perfect because that's because you know the one thing we get a lot, and it's fine. It's I think we like it. Is somebody will be like, hey, we're gonna is, we're gonna be at the show, like uh, so like yeah. the the PR people are always like. We're going to have these really important people and these really important announcements at the show. Would you like to know about them? Would you like to cover them? And it's like, yes. I mean, yeah, generally, yes, depending on what it is. We'll put it through our, you know, our, our filter. But then it's like if we're there, like I need to have it all set up. I can't be like carrying around stuff, trying yeah, to like yeah, yeah. throw an iPhone yeah. in your, your face 
and then, you know, um, do, recording right on the show floor. Because that's what people think it is. And it's like, it doesn't lead to good audio. Everyone's just like, no, that no, was great. No, I mean, no the way people should say it is like, that was great that you had a conversation on the show floor. And that was good that you could hear it and you liked it. But I don't, no one else needs to hear that. You know, so that's, yeah, that's I, what I, I, would, I, I want. I mean, I mean, here, here's my pitch is it's going to be the, the, uh, the quality, the, the, the picture and the, uh, and, and the picture quality is going to be much lower than the cube. Mm-hmm. And it's probably also going to be but the a cube, little to be less fair. The cube has like a full on studio, right? Well, that, this, I mean... is, this, this is my, this is my whole value proposition is like, it's not going to be the crystal clear, well-lit thing of the cube, but it's going to be hella fucking cheaper. <laughs> not as good much cheaper no it's i think i think the audio will be just as good it's just the video that's not going to be just as good and definitely the content is going to be just as good right and and then uh you know also like you know just at kubecon you, you have the new stack come they do great work too right uh-huh. yeah also good sponsor for need- a partner sponsor we like them yeah yeah, yeah, you got to have this software-defined talk little uh, room here. You know, we'll interview people. Sounds great. And right. uh, it's not going to cost you very much because really, you know, we just want to come to your conference and get a little bit of money uh, for, for doing things. Let, let's, let's, maybe let's close this out. Let's do a classic enterprise software situation here. Well, we, we're developing a new sort of thing here, uh, you know, where we, uh, we get set up with the room. We got good equipment. And we plan a few interviews ahead of time, but we also just take ad hoc interviews because that's really that's what what's what you want to do at a conference is ad hoc interviews. I yeah, don't know if that's I true, love it. but that that's that's what happens a lot. And what we need is we need a few partners who we're gonna partner up with to work on this because we gotta one, you know, we gotta we gotta pay for travel and uh, T and E, as they say. You, you gotta have that. Yep. But then two, we're gonna need to figure out the the equipment setup. Right. Yep. So we're going to do invest in some equipment and that's all we're looking for. You know, we don't need any big EULAs uh, or any like, you know, reserved <laughs> instances for five years. You're not going to have to worry about that. We just need a few partners for the yeah. first year to Perfect. figure this no, out. No, you got it. Exactly. And also too, like, I'll, we'll, I'll listen, I'll, we know the equipment with that part. We can, we can, we can give just a little bit of funding. That's all we need there. But two, it's like, yeah, for all the people that say like, Hey, would you, come cover our thing. It would be great to us have a booth and be like, yeah, come here at this time and I will, we'll talk about it for 15 minutes. You know, kind of like the stop and chat style, right? That's what people want. You can rotate them in and out. Like that would be great. And I, I would just tell people the better audio, it will just work so much better. Um, yeah. But it's like very hard to like convince. Like, I think that's the thing that I don't like. And we'll end here. It's like the PR people and people on the show floor, they just sort of like, they're just like, oh, as long as you're just talking and a microphone shows up on the show floor, they think it's going to work. And it's like, no, I, I think I think what we got to do, like, you got to go one step further. We've we've got to go to, uh, you know, like our 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 uh, our friendly partners. We got to just like figure out who at the CNCF to go. Like, we're, we want to go to all your conferences except the ones we don't want to go to. <laughs> just like, <laughs> just set us up with that. We'll uh, we'll we'll just get a room and we'll we'll do this at like all the conferences you do. Where, right. whatever done. except the ones we don't want to done and, and done uh, all right well there you go everybody you have the keys now you, you figured it out or, all right. or you know other people who do conferences whatever <laughs> and and uh, we might even put two episodes out in one week 